Everybody, welcome to Stock Bites for Sunday, August 9th, 2020. We're a show about finance and stuff. We like to have fun. We like to talk about the most trending stocks in the market. We like to sympathize with bag holders, celebrate winners, and hopefully teach our audience a few things about finance along the way. Today's show is another Robin Hood recap. On a side note, I don't know how many more of these we're going to be able to do. Robin Hood came out and released that they are going to stop releasing their data uh, to free for free to people. And, and obviously, Robin Track has become a Wall Street darling over the last several months. Uh, I think that Robin Hood is probably looking at this like, we can make money off this data. Let's Why are we giving it away for free? But anyway, for last week, uh, we still had the data. And the top five stocks were Rocket, RKT, so Rocket Companies, 78,198 users added. Apple, 71,000. Microsoft, 65,000. Diamond Peak Holdings Corp, 22,519 users added. And then bringing up uh, fifth place is ADT, 16,500 users. So we're going to dive into Rocket Companies, Diamond Peak, and ADT on today's show. I'm super bullish on one of them. I'm extraordinarily bearish on another, and I'm neutral on the third. A few housekeeping notes. We're going to check back in with Trey on a special Tuesday edition of Stock Bites this week. He's had a few important weeks from a life perspective, and I want to touch base with him on that. And I also hear he's been counteracting all these positive development uh, developments in his life with terrible market performance. So that should be a very fun show. This Thursday, we're going to have our first Robinhood trader come on the show and break down his strategy. I think he only plays options. Uh, he has a system that's been working well, and I'm excited to talk to him about it, and I think I'm going to learn a few things along the way. Make sure you rate and review, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It helps, and definitely give us a follow at stock underscore bytes on Twitter. I've started posting due diligence on the companies that we talk about, their unbiased investment ideas, unbiased research. No one's paying me to pump a stock. All right, I think that's it. Let's get it. added stock on Robinhood this week was RKT, Rocket Companies. This is Dan Gilbert's baby, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers and the writer of the infamous letter to LeBron James. They IPO'd this week at about 18 bucks a share and they ended the week uh, Friday trading at $24.90. Rocket is the largest mortgage originator in the United States, but they only have a 9.2% market share. And I think that's important. I'll, I'll return to that in a second. Uh, just looking at their fundamentals here, last year, 2019, they had $5.1 billion in revenue with net income of $893 million. That's a 22% and 46% year-over-year growth uh, for each of those numbers. And they have their hands on a lot of different pots. They earn revenue from upfront origination fees on the mortgages that they issue. They turn around and sell those mortgages to the secondary market, and they get a cut of that. They also service the same loans that they originate and sell, so they collect fees for servicing the, the loans. They also have a real estate agent referral program called Rocket Homes. Uh, they originate and, and sell Rocket loans, uh, personal loans, and they also have fee, they collect fees from uh, used car loans. They have minimal, minimal credit exposure as they sell mortgages, the mortgages that they issue to secondary investors within a couple of days. There's no direct credit exposure to servicing the portfolios as they don't 
own the underlying. And I, I say no direct credit exposure. 5.1% uh, of their loans right now uh, are in forbearance. And they've had to advance four months of principal and interest to the owners of the loans. It's a complicated thing, but it has bitten into their revenue a little bit. It's not necessarily a credit exposure, but um, you know, if the coronavirus continues and we don't have economic you know, rebound or an, an unemployment stays where it is and more and more loans going to forbearance, that could be a drag on revenue. Anyway, uh, enough with that side tangent. In the second quarter of this year, they did $72 billion of loan originations, mortgage originations. That's a 40% increase from the first quarter. So people are still buying houses. They had total revenue of $5 billion and net income of $3.5 billion in the second quarter of this year alone. That was more than all of last year. Their tech sufficiency equals a very low cost of revenue. It's all automated. Um, and here's why I, I like this company. I, I think there's plenty of reasons to buy. They have a 35-year history. They're profitable. They're a mature company. I was wondering if investors would reward that. You know, if you look at recent IPOs like Nicola, DraftKings, you name it, most of these companies coming to market are unprofitable, but they investors don't care. They, the, the price rockets up anyway. But, you know, if you look at Rocket Companies, RKT, it was up 15% on Friday alone. There's demand for the stock. They have digitized the mortgage process. Applying for a mortgage is a pain and it's super paper intensive. Uh, Rocket Mortgage is it's all done online. It's all done on an app, an intuitive app with all these machine learning codes. It's super simple and easy to do. And guys, look, if you're not already following us at Stock Bytes, at Stock underscore Bytes on Twitter, please do so. Yesterday, I posted a very in-depth due diligence on Fisker, which is reverse IPOing with SPAQ. Fisker's trying to do something very similar to what Rocket Mortgage is doing. They're going to be a tech-first electric vehicle company with a state-of-the-art app, and I think that's important. Digita uh, digitization is the key to continued growth and relevance. And you know, millennials today, home ownership, only about 32% of us, uh, excuse me, millennials only make up about 32% of the home ownership market, but that number is trending higher. Millennials are now the largest home buying percentage of the population. We demand a digital experience. And I don't even know about what, you know, what the next generation after me is called, but they grew up without, they can't remember a time without the internet. So you gotta, you gotta have a very advanced user-friendly, uh, digital presence and Rocket Mortgage does. Especially when you compare that to other companies in their industry. I think the two biggest are Fannie Mae and, and Freddie Mac, which used to be government sponsored entities and they're not and then now they are. I, I, I don't know a ton about their history, but you know, that's you, you gotta go either to a bank or, or, or it's it's all done on paper, right? It's super complicated. Rocket Mortgage takes care of all of that for you. Another reason that I like this company is they're very aware of the importance of their brand. They have 10 straight number one rankings on J.D. Power's study of client service mortgage origination. They have six straight number one rankings for mortgage servicing. Since inception, they have, they have invested over $5 billion in marketing with $900 million in 2019 alone. And everybody remembers that Jason Momoa commercial during last year's Super Bowl, right? 
This is a very brand conscious company. They also have a large total address, addressable market. They're estimating it at $5.5 trillion. That's just mortgages in the US. They're expanding into Canada. They have uh, personal loans, home sales, auto sales, real estate advertising. You know, again, they have their hands in a lot of different pots here. And they're an integrated company. In, in 2010, they began servicing the loans that they originate, sticky money. In 2019, they, re, uh, they reached 63% client retention and refinancing retention of 76%. The industry average is only 22. They have a subsidiary called Amrock that provides title insurance, property valuation, and settlement services. They take customers from the application all the way up to closing. They have Rocket Homes, a proprietary home search platform that matches applicants with realtors. They participated in over 30,000 real estate transactions in 2019. Rocket Loans, their personal loan service, closed over 25,000 loans in 2019. That's a 30% year-over-year increase. Rocket Auto facilitated 20,000 used car sales in 2019. That's only the second year that that subsidiary has been in operation. And again, they recently invested in two Canadian mortgage startups to expand to that market as well. So usually I think when you're an industry leader uh, or sector leader, there, there may not be room for growth. That's not the case here. Rocket Mortgage has a lot of growth potential. The U.S. mortgage market is highly fragmented. Rocket Mortgage is already the largest originator, but they have under 10% of the market. And the top five companies make up 17.3% of total originations in 2019. So Rocket Mortgage by themselves is originating more mortgages than the next four largest companies combined. Of the clients who applied for mortgages using the app and website, 75% are first-time homebuyers and or millennials. And as these groups mature and buy more homes, and we are, guys, millennials are just getting in to the home market here. And as we refinance uh, in the future, Rocket Mortgage has a great chance to capture that business. Sticky money. There's $10.7 trillion of residential mortgage debt outstanding in the U.S. at the end of last year, with an average of $2 trillion of loan origination per year since 2000. So the American dream revolves around home ownership, right? People are going to keep buying homes. There are some risks to the company. You know, interest rate sensitivity is one of them. Um, you've obviously had, with interest rates being at zero or near zero and projected to stay that way by Jay Powell until at least 2022, you've had a ton of, it, the cost of owning a home comes down, right? So that's, that's a good thing for Rocket Mortgage. Um, some other good news here. They, they have 2 billion shares outstanding, but most are held by Dan Gilbert and other private investors. The, the IPO that they did last week only brought 100 million shares to the public. And that's good news. It's, it's a pretty low float for such a large company. I looked at ServiceNow. They had $4 billion in trailing 12-month revenue. Uh, they have 191 million shares outstanding. And they're priced at $431 a share. If you look at Square, almost $6 billion in trailing 12-month revenue, 443 million shares outstanding, priced at $147. And again, Rocket Mortgage is just under 25. I think there's a lot of room to run here. Some of the issues, they, have, they do have a high debt level, about $16 billion. I think only three to three and a half of that is current or, or due in the next 12 months, and they do have enough cash on hand to satisfy those obligations. 80% of the voting shares remain with Dan Gilbert. You know, you're, 
Apollo or whoever private equity firm is not going to be able to come in and, you know, take, you know, do some sort of activist takeover here. And then I, I touched on this a little bit. They are, I guess, somewhat correlated to what interest rates do, but you know, I don't think we have anything to worry about there for at least another two years. And then, and then the, the big kicker is COVID and, and unemployment. And like I said, 5% of the loans that they service are in forbearance. That's an issue. To date, they've been able to use funds from prepayments and mortgage payoffs from other clients to fund these principal and interest advances. They have not had to use any corporate cash or draw on facilities, but that may become an issue if the number goes up. And the way that would happen is if we don't have a vaccine, if there's not a you know continued economic recovery and more and more people um, need help, right? The, the CARES Act created this forbearance provision and uh, we'll see how many people take advantage of that. But my, my big takeaway from this company, I want to buy this. I'm going to buy this next week and I'm going to hold it for a very long time. They're in an interesting position being the industry leader in a fragmented market created, uh, creates a lot of opportunities. They have dominant tech, dominant data, data and a dominant brand. They're already profitable. They're, they're, pretty clearly defined risks. COVID in the short term, the economic rip ripples that may cause and uh, you know, in increasing interest rates in the future. But they also have population trends on their side. New home buyers are increasingly becoming younger. Like I said, millennials make up the largest segment of the home buying population now. And, um, and then obviously you have the, these young people behind me who have grown up without, they've never had no internet. Go outside and play is a pretty foreign <laughs> Uh, foreign directive from parents, I think, these days. So anyway, that's my take on it. Stock that I wanted to talk about here is DPHC, Diamond Peak Holdings Corp. It's a blank check company, and we've talked about many of these. Uh, it was up almost 20% this week, but most of that gain occurred on August 4th, and then it trickled back down to close at around $12.25. On August 1st, DPHC and Lordtown, Lordstown Motors agreed to merge and Lordstown Motors will become a public company through this reverse merger. And we've talked about Lordstown Motor Company in the past. Uh, their CEO, Steve Burns, came from Workhorse about a year ago, formed this new company, bought an old defunct uh, GM plant in Ohio, and is getting it refurbished and is going to roll out electric trucks. Uh, a little bit of a different take on the electric truck. They're going after commercial fleets. Some of the they have announced that they have a ton of pre-orders, but, you know, it's companies like Duke Energy and petroleum companies and, you know, people who need light-duty trucks in the field. Uh, let's see here. DPHC is a relatively small SPAC at $280 million in cash. That worries me. There's an additional pipe offering, private investment, public investment in private equity or something like that, but... They had to go out and get an additional $500 million in private money uh, to make this work. And after they become public, Lordstown Motor Company will have $675 million in cash on hand to fund operations until they can start launching a product. They, they do project uh, that their truck is going to be in production sometime next year. And just as a side note, the truck, the truck that they're producing looks like the Honda Ridgeline. I'm glad that they're not bringing this to the public. You know, Honda sold 33,000 trucks in 2019 in the U.S. 
Ford sold 900,000 F-150s in 2019. So they're, they're not going to be able to compete there. It's kind of, look, you know, it doesn't look like the Cybertruck, but the Ridgeline is not, it's not sexy. So they're going after the commercial fleet. You know, some of the pre-orders are from Duke Energy, Turner Mining Group, Summit Petroleum, uh, which is also kind of ironic, right? The, uh, the oil and gas and petroleum producers want electric vehicles, but it makes sense if you look at a, a cost of ownership over five years for, for this truck and uh, internal combustion engine truck. It's just cheaper. And selling to fleets avoids, according to Lordstown Motor Company, uh, avoids the complex, quote-unquote, retail sales network, which I think is bullshit. What's complex about Tesla? All you got to do is go online, buy the damn thing, and they send it to your house. Uh, let's see here. Lordstown. So again, I went through their investor presentation uh, that they put together after the merger. Oh, hell. Look, I'm just going to get straight to this. I am extraordinarily bearish on this company. You know, we're in an, a SPAC craze. We're in an electric vehicle craze. That's not why. DPHC is led by a guy named David Hamomato. He's the co-founder and CEO of an old real estate group called North Star. Hamamoto merged his two real estate companies. So he had like North Star REIT and then North Star Realty Securities, right? So in one non-traded REIT, we're going to go out and buy commercial properties, uh, senior living facilities. And the other one, we're going to go out and buy uh, CDOs and, and secondary loans and that sort of stuff. He merged those two companies with Colony Capital. Uh, Colony Capital, which is owned by a Trump associate, a guy named David Barrick. The merger was supposed to place Colony Capital as the fifth largest real estate manager in the country. And this happened in June of 2016. There's a Forbes article out there. Uh, I'll, I'll link it in the description of the podcast if you guys want to read it. But just some of the things here. Hamamoto was supposed to stay on for a year to help with the transition. He did. But... In November of 2017, he resigned, and in December of 2017, the SEC filings revealed that Hamamoto had been selling large amounts of his Colony North Star shares, the combined company, collecting $27 million in profit before leaving the company. At its inception, Colony North Star, the combined company, promised funds from operation, which is essentially like free cash flow. How much money are you making after you pay your expenses? Uh, between $1.55 and $1.75 annually and predicted an annualized dividend between 7 and 10%. In March of 2018, so this is three months after Hamamoto, or four months after Hamamoto resigns, Colony North Star admitted that its funds from operation for 2017 would only be $1.14 per share, and even worse, its dividend yield will be cut by 60% to $0.44 cents per share. Reed investors bailed. Shares of the REIT plummeted below $6. They, they're trading uh, like around $2.80 today. They've never recovered. The REIT, the ticker is CLNY, if y'all want to check it out. Yeah, it trades at $2.18. Colony North Star's CFO, and I'm quoting from the Forbes article here, pointed to weakening net operating income coming from the company's nursing home properties and write-downs on its securities portfolios, particularly related to CDOs and secondary stakes and private equity funds. And all of these assets came from North Star and Hamamoto. This guy is a snake oil salesman. He raised a bunch of money, you know, developed these REITs, merged them with another company, 
got paid, sold everything. He knew it was bullshit, jetted, and left somebody else to, to clean up the mess. And now we're supposed to trust this guy. And SPACs are already not exactly the most, um, uh, oh, you know, not, not, they can be a little opaque and, and they're, they're very confusing uh, to novice investors. And all of a sudden now you have this guy who's proven in the past that he doesn't give a fuck about shareholders. He just wants his money. We're supposed to trust this guy. So I don't, I would advise everybody who's listening, stay away from DPHC. I have issues with, you know, I, I came into looking at their investor presentation with, I wanted to be bearish on Lordstown Motor Company, but look, they're, they may make it. I don't know anything about fleet auto sales and they may have the, the tools to do it. I do think this could be a good thing for Workhorse, which has a 10% equity stake in Lordstown Motor Company. But this guy, uh, David Hamamato, whatever the hell his name is, scares the shit out of me. Stay away. The final company I wanted to talk about this week is ADT. 16,500 Robinhood users added last week. Uh, on Monday, August 3rd, the stock gapped up from $8.61 the previous Friday, and opened Monday at $15.18. It's up almost 80%. Currently sitting at $12.20. It's consistently drifted lower all week. The reasons for the, the big move, Google announced early, uh, early Monday morning that they've entered into a long-term partnership with ADT to create, quote, the next generation of smart home security offerings, end quote, where Google hardware and services will be integrated into ADT, ADT's installation service and professional monitoring network. So Google invested $450 million in ADT. That's about a 6.6% stake of the company. And look, everybody knows ADT. I think this is probably one of the most brand-aware, not brand-aware, but commonly known uh, companies out there because when you're just walking around the neighborhood, you see this home protected by ADT. You see it everywhere. They are the largest uh, residential home security system in the country. They have about 30% market share. Uh, they IPO'd back in, let's see here, they IPO'd in 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they IPO'd in 2018 at $14 a share, and they've been trending downward ever since. They have they actually got down to about three bucks in March uh, of this year. Apollo Global is the largest shareholder. They're the same company bringing Fisker public through a, a special purpose acquisition company. Apollo Global took ADT private in 2016 uh, with a $6.9 billion leverage buyout. A leverage buyout, I'm going to come in and issue debt to go out and buy all the equity of this company and take them private. Private equity companies do it all the time. It saddles the company that they do it to with tons of debt. And ADT is still dealing with the effects of that right now. Uh, so they continue, Apollo Global continues to be the majority shareholder after bringing ADT public again back in 2018. Um, yeah, and like I said, ADT estimates that they're five times bigger than the next largest residential alarm competitor, 30% market share. So three-year revenue growth, close to 8%. Not terrible, but like I said, they, they have a, a net leverage ratio of 4.9 times with over $10 billion in debt. They're highly levered. They don't make enough money to repay all the debt in, in sort of a timely, consistent manner if they had to. Uh, what they've done instead is try to refinance, capture lower interest rates, and push off the wall of maturities 
out several years. And so what they've done uh, from 21, 2021 to 2024, they have about a billion dollars in mature uh, debt maturing each year, uh, 300 million in 2025. And then in 2026, you see that big wall of maturities kick back up $4.2 billion uh, in debt maturing that year. It's a couple of positive things. They're already the largest player in the market, but they are expensive to install. So they've been working to decrease their net subscriber acquisition costs. It's down 10% year over year in Q1. Basically what that means is it costs new clients less money. Excuse me. Basically what that means is it costs ADT less money to get a new client. And they've also reduced the customer revenue payback period or the years that it takes uh, ADT to break even on a new customer down from two point for the year before down to 2.3. They're aware, uh, they're working to restructure their debt, make sure that they're getting customers more cheaply and can actually start to profit off them quicker. The investment from Google is, it's fun and exciting, but it's not gonna have any significant impact to revenue for the next couple of years. It might actually hurt revenue. Part of the terms of the deal was both Google and ADT had to invest $150 million uh, into R&D. And this isn't something that they're going to be launching next week. This is going to take some time for them to figure out exactly what they're going to do. So I'm neutral on ADT. I won't hate you if you buy it and just view it as a long-term hold and set it and forget it. But for all you short-term holders who bought on Monday and are down big, you're going to have to wait a while to get out to break even. ADT has a recurring revenue model, but there's no major catalysts coming up that are going to significantly impact revenue uh, in, in the near term. You know, they look, they just they just signed a deal with Dollar Tree. I think Dollar Tree's got about 15,000 stores nationwide. ADT is going to be the security provider for them. So they're starting to expand into the commercial space as well. But, you know, I don't know if it has a material impact yet. At least, 80, excuse me, the Dollar Tree uh, partnership won't have a... It's good for revenue. It's good for the top line. But it's not going to have a major, major impact. Um, let's see. Oh, last point. They're not profitable. They're not expected to be profitable until 2022. So with all that being said, buy Rocket Mortgage. Stay the fuck away from Diamond Peak Holdings Company and David Hamatato, Honda Tomato. And look, buy ADT if you got 10 years to, to wait patiently. So that's going to wrap up today's show. I'm really excited about this week. We have some big things that we're working on here at Stock Bites. Um, so like and subscribe. Uh, get at us on Twitter at stock underscore bites. You can email me at stockbitespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you in a couple days. Close.